Welcome to the Cedarville First podcast. If you enjoyed this week's sermon, be sure to subscribe to this podcast to hear the latest sermons as soon as they're available. Uh, I'm honored to get to preach this morning, and I had told Dad, uh, I don't even remember when it was, but starting in the middle of last week, I'd said something about, you know, it's Pastor Appreciation this Sunday, and somebody said, does Dad or Haley said, does dad preach on pastor appreciation? I was like, I think so. And she was like, why don't you preach for him? And I was like, Mm-mm. no. And then lo and behold, doesn't the Holy, isn't that just like the Holy Spirit to just be like, mm-hmm. and dad had, had dropped in a couple different times. He's like, man, the Lord is just not giving me anything for Sunday. And I was like, I know, because he gave it to me. And so he said it again. Finally on Friday, he said, man, if I don't get something from the Lord soon. And I was like, listen, it's not you, Dad. It's me. Just, I'll do it. So so I'm here. I'm here this morning. And let me tell you, I'm going to try to not be too youthy with you because I talk to teenagers every week and they understand mid and op and, you know, all those things, right, Audrey? They understand drip. All the things that I'm saying, y'all are like, what? Uh, so I'm going to try to put my big girl pants on this morning and talk to the adults. But I think I have a word for you this morning because it was something, parts of what I share or I'm going to share with you this morning are things that I had shared. And I just want to let you know that when you read in Acts 2 and and, and the Lord promises that in the last day he'll pour out his spirit on all flesh, we are seeing that all around us. Uh, In youth two weeks ago, I shared about the end times and and what everything because because kids don't always know not most the majority of the teenagers that we have in our youth group are not church they don't have parents that bring him bring them they they come on Wednesdays after school because there's food and there's games and maybe it's tribe wars week and if it's not then they have to come in here and listen to Pastor Taylor talk that's that's legitimately who we have and we shared I shared about end times and I had played a video and I was just talking to them and at the end of the service. Call it fear, but I I would like to think it's just the Holy Spirit tugging at their hearts. We had about 20 students respond to recommit and say, I'm I'm ready to serve Jesus for real. And so, yeah, give God a hand clap because we're seeing it. But if I were to take a title this morning, it would be called Irrevocable. And I'm going to be reading out of Mark 16, and I'm going to be reading out of the NIV this morning. It says, he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands. And when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people and they will get well. After the Lord Jesus had spoken to them, he was taken up into heaven and he sat at the right hand of God. Then the disciples went out and preached everywhere, and the Lord worked with them and confirmed his word by the signs that accompanied it. I want to draw attention to the fact that the final command that Jesus gave his disciples lies in this passage. He tells them to go into all the world and preach the gospel. And there's, there's significance in parting words, right? When you, as a parent, are going to get ready to leave your kids, if you're, you know, going out on a date night or if you're going for a weekend away, you always tell your kids, you know, to, when they're with the babysitter, you better act right. You know, don't don't make me look like a fool. Make it look like you know what you're doing, and that we don't we don't just act crazy all the time. You know, and you tell them that you love them. Or if you're a teacher and you know you're going to have a substitute the next day, right? You're like, y'all better act right, or when I come back, you know what I'm saying? And do your work. Do there's significance in parting words, and it's because you want to make sure that if, if as a parent, if you were to never see them again, you want them to know what's important. You want them to know that you love them. 
But more than likely, you just want them to represent you well while you're away, right? <laughs> so whoever is babysitting or substituting knows that what you have instilled in them transcends your physical presence. You have taught them and raised them to do the right thing and respect you even if you aren't in sight. So Jesus' final instruction to his disciples and his command to his disciples was to go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Just like a parent, he wanted to ensure that when he left them and his physical presence wasn't there, what they did would transcend that and the message would continue to spread. And all four gospels tell us the same exact thing. All four gospels in the New Testament are an account of what Jesus did. They all tell us this was the final command. It's the great commission. He says, go into all the world and preach the gospel. And so, you know, as a child, when I was reading this, I was like, man, so is everybody supposed to like preach? But as I, as I matured and I got older, I realized everyone's go and preach is going to look different, right? So I was doing some research. The word preach comes from the Greek word caruso, which means to proclaim, to declare, to announce, or to herald a message. It was the message proclaimed by the corrux, who was the official spokesman or herald of a king. Because the Corux was the appointed official representative of the king or the government, his specific job was to announce with a clear and unquestionable voice the desires, dictates, orders, recent events, news, policy changes, or message that the king or government wished to express to the people. That's what God commanded us to do. It's not always going to look like us standing behind a pulpit, but we are commanded to go into all the world and clearly represent Jesus Christ. Not confuse people because you want to live one way when you're in the church and one way in the world because that's confusing to the world. That's why a lot of people don't understand this whole like Christian thing because so many believers live one way when they're in the church and a different way when they're in the world. He has commanded you to go and clearly represent the king, to go and clearly communicate his message, his hope, his love, the joy that he can bring if you just desire to serve Jesus. We are commanded to go, and it takes on many different forms. I was doing the math, and literally 2.97% of your time is spent at church if you attend all three services, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. If you come to all three services in a week, that's 2.97% of your time during the week. So what am I getting at? The ministries that you see here at church, Pastor Kenny is a phenomenal leader. I've been under my dad the whole, the whole live long life. He has been my pastor, you know. But what you see and what he does is, is so important because he shepherds a body and he, he commissions you to go and do the thing there. But you only spend 2.97% of your time here. If this is the only gospel that you're receiving and the only time that you're talking about Jesus and you're being in the presence of Jesus, probably 2.97% of your time is not going to be enough to sustain you through your life. We are commanded. Worship is great. Preaching is great. But if we don't take on the Great Commission, how are they going to know? He has commanded the body of Christ to take the great commission and go into all the world and preach to the people that are around you. 2.97% of your time is spent here, but how many people get 0% of their time spent here? I know you've probably heard it said, but maybe you're the only Jesus
Jesus that anybody else will ever see. And they need you to quick, quick, to stop slacking on your job, friends. We have to have kingdom mindset that when we go into the world, our one job is to bring Jesus to them everywhere that we go. Everywhere that we go. Whew, whew, I can get on a soapbox for a long time on that one. Just because what pastor said is true. Time is short. And it's time for us to stop playing games as the church. It's time for us to stop giving people an excuse for not being what God has called them to be and doing what God has called them to do. We have to take it seriously. And like I said, pieces of this sermon were actually what I preached on when I was talking about fine arts and youth. But I see a lot of adults in church every single Sunday that you'll harp on a teenager and be like, you need to do the right thing. You need to, you need to go to church. You need to pursue Jesus. You need to do blah, 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 blah. And then I see a whole bunch of adults on Sundays and they're here on Sundays, but then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, what are y'all doing for Jesus? And so when I was, when I was preaching this to the, to the teenagers, I knew that at some point the Lord was going to release me to preach it to the body because you need to hear it and I need to hear it just as much as teenagers need to hear it. We need to get busy. We need to get busy. And here's what you need to know. Romans 11, 25 through 29 says, I do not want you to be ignorant of this mystery, brothers and sisters, so that you may not be conceited. Israel has experienced a hardening in part until the full number of Gentiles has come in. And in this way, all Israel will be saved. As it is written, the deliverer will come from Zion. He will turn godlessness away from Jacob. And this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. As far as the gospel is concerned, they are enemies for your sake. But as far as election is concerned, they are loved on account of the patriarchs for God's gifts and his call are irrevocable. When you read Romans eleven twenty nine in the King James version, it says for the gifts and the calling of God are without repentance. Without repentance means that God won't change his mind about what he has called you to do. If he has gifted you and called you, that gifting is call and calling is still there whether or not you have obeyed. He doesn't change his mind about what he wants you to do, what he created you to do before he ever even formed you in your womb. He had a plan for your life. And guess what? A lot of people have tried. Ask Jonah. But not even Jonah could change the mind of the Lord. He just was like, you know what? You can run, but I'm going to send a big old fish to swallow you up so you can have some time to think about it. Because if you have some time to think about it, then maybe you'll realize you ain't going to change my mind. Don't have to get swallowed by, by a big old fish before you realize that you just need to do what God has called you to do before you just need to realize I'm going to have to step into the purpose and the calling maybe do it fearful maybe do it without any plans maybe do it without any warning but I'm going to do it just because you have my yes and I'm going to be obedient to you Lord so the problem many of us face a lot of times maybe necessarily isn't in our desire to serve and submit it's in our willingness to carve out time in our schedule and to give attention to the heart of Jesus in our Jerusalem. I know that a lot of times, you know, we have the best of intentions, right? Because we've all experienced this. I'm preaching to me just as much as I'm pre preaching to you. When I go into the world or when I go into my normal schedule, so many times I can have the best intentions. You know, I'll wake up in the morning. I'm like, Lord, use me today. And then as soon as something, let me tell y'all, sideways was the name of the game, wasn't it this morning, Clay? <laughs> sideways was the name of the game in the Lincoln household this morning because Clay was having to try to ring. I can make up my mind to have really good intentions, but if you don't just say and just have set in your mind the beginning of the day, today I'm going to do something for Jesus. I'm going to reach people for Jesus. You're not going to do it. 
You're not going to do it. You have to know in your mind that no matter what comes my way, no matter what the enemy, because let me tell you, the enemy will put everything in your path to try to distract you from the great commission in your day-to-day life. He will, he'll do something as, as minute as like your, your outfit not working out in the morning, you know, or backing out of the garage this morning and uh, your husband's side mirror on his truck, cracking it on the garage when you're back. He'll do that and he'll try to distract you when he knows you have things to do this morning. But if you make up your mind that no matter what comes my way, today I'm going to serve Jesus and today I'm going to make sure other people know, then the, the enemy loses every single time. <laughs> Woo, it's a struggle. He didn't, all, he didn't call us all, sorry, Clay, for cracking your side view mirror. We'll get it fixed. That's what money and insurance is for, right? Uh, but he didn't, call, he didn't call us all to the fivefold ministry. And I'm thankful because it would be rough if everybody was trying to lead worship or if everybody was trying to preach here. He, called us, he didn't call us all to, to fivefold ministry, but he did call us all to go and to preach the gospel, to, to speak clearly, communicate clearly the message of hope. 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 7 says there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. You know, Ed Bickford is a plumber, and he's, I've never really had to use any other plumbers because he's my uncle, and he was just like, the one that we use because, you know, but he's an incredible plumber. And do you know how many people that Ed Bickford has gotten to reach in his workplace because he was willing to take the message of the gospel of hope to wherever he went? And, and he's been able to bless so many people that, you know, financially couldn't afford right then. And he was able to do creative things to help so many different things. But he, he realized that he wasn't called to be Pastor Kenny. He wasn't called to come stand behind a pulpit. He can sit behind drums and, and show them what for, give them what for, whatever you want to say. But his Jerusalem, his go looks like going into people's houses and talking to them one-on-one. And he, he, he tells them the gospel of Jesus. Maybe he's fixing some, some sewers or, you know, whatever he does, fixing some, because let me tell you, it's not very holy if you ain't got no toilet to go to the bathroom on, you know what I'm saying? But if somebody can come in in the, in your, in your, in your hour of need and take care of your needs, it's holy to you in that moment. You know what I'm saying? He's called all of us to do something different. And you can be the hands and the feet of Jesus wherever you are. Wherever you are, you just have to make up your mind that today is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. And I'm going to go and I'm going to preach the gospel to everybody that's around me, no matter what I'm doing, even if I'm digging in the sewer, you know, whatever it may be. But in fine arts, and I just want to kind of focus on the gifting calling side of what we're what we're called to do as the body. But in fine arts, there's the they break it down very simply, and it's funny to me that I feel like, you know, they break it down simply for teenagers. But I feel like we we probably need that as adults too. A lot of times, but we just need to break it down in our head. But we talk about the three D's of doing what God has called you to do. And probably if you're in fine arts, you can spout them off. It's discover, develop, deploy. That's what we that's what we instill in the kids. And not just in fine arts, but just in general. Discover what God has doing, called you to do. Develop that gift and then deploy it. So in discovering what God has called you to do, you have to understand whatever your passion is, it was created by him and for him. 
It's not a surprise. It's not a shock to him when you're like, but Lord, I just really love to do this. I don't know if you guys have ever had the, the opportunity to look at Brother Eddie Tipton's art. He's a principal, you know, at high school. But what Brother Eddie loves to do is do art. And he's very, very good at it. Do you think it's any surprise to the Lord that he's like, you know what, Lord? I know I need to be a principal to provide for my family, but I really love doing art. Is that okay with you? He's like, no, I gave that to you. It was created by me, for me, use it. It's not a surprise to the Lord when you're like, oh, this thing that I love to, discovering what that, it was, it was made by him and for him. Ephesians 2.10 says, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. It isn't a coincidence that you love what you love. He, cre- he, he planned those things. He prepared those things for you before you were born. But here's the thing. That thing that he wants from you, that gifting, that anointing that he's placed on your life to do those specific things doesn't change because you're grown and you have responsibilities. That's where I find the difference in teenagers a lot of times and adults a lot of times is because we've allowed reality to become our identity instead of the identity that we already have in Christ that he's called us to do something. I understand there there are sacrifices that you have to make for your family and sometimes you have to put things on hold or on pause, but God doesn't change the thing that he has created you to do in the name of reality. You know what I'm saying? A lot of times it's not even so much that it's the reality of your life. It's that you're operating in fear rather than in faith. A lot of times he's saying, no, I will sustain you if you try to do this thing that I'm asking you to do. But you're too fearful. You don't have enough faith that I'm good for my word. Some of you have dreams in your heart that are God-given dreams that you haven't pursued in the name of reality. It's time for you to stir up that gift and that dream again. Paul says to Timothy in 2 Timothy 1, 6 and 7, it says, for this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the spirit of God does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. If God placed the desire in you, Don't let the fear of failure, the fear of not being able to provide, the fear of whatever it may be, keep you from doing that thing that God has called you to do. I don't, it's not coincidental, nothing in the word is coincidental, but it's not coincidental that when Paul is is beckoning Timothy to fan the, the, the gift of God, fan the flame of the gift of God in his life from the laying on of hands, immediately followed by, because God didn't give you a spirit of fear but a power, love, and a sound mind. The dream that you have in your heart that you've put on the back shelf, God is saying it's time to fan that flame of that gifting, of that anointing, of that dream again, because fear doesn't come from me. He's here to remind some of you this morning that the dream that you thought was dead and over and gone, he's ready for you to begin to fan that flame and that gifting once again in your life. For us to be effective in this final hour, the entire body is gonna be having to do their part. It's not going to just be able to be Pastor Kenny preaching on Sunday or Pastor Haley leading worship or me trying my very best on Wednesdays to lead these kids to Jesus or Pastor Vicki. It's going to be all of us collectively knowing and understanding and taking the promise of God that he will provide for you. That fear doesn't come from him, but power, love, and a sound mind does come from him. So when you begin to fan that gift and that dream again, when the enemy tries to bring fear into your life, remind yourself, remind your spirit, this is not from him. This is from the enemy. 
Fan, fan the flame. Dream again. Stop allowing everything to stand in the way. All of your chores, all of your to-do lists, all these other things. Yes, I understand you have responsibilities, but you also have a responsibility to the kingdom first and foremost. It might look different than it, than it did when you were a teenager, but he hasn't changed his mind because his gifting and his calling are irrevocable. He won't change his mind no matter what you have to do as a grown-up. You know what I'm saying? The second one is develop. You know what it is, but from a logistic standpoint, what's the why and the how? Colossians 1, 15 through 16 says, the sun is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. Your gift Your anointing was created through him and for him. A step further, the submission of your gifting is the key that unlocks the door for the Holy Spirit to come in and do the inner work in people's lives. If you really think about it in that way, because here's the thing, the talents and the abilities and the giftings that God has given you were designed to evoke a reaction that softens your emotions so that you feel deeper, you listen closer, you look harder, and then you're called to action. That's our part to play. It's not our job for, for us to go in and to, to do the work of the Holy Spirit. But if you submit those things that God has placed in your hand, if you, if you begin to be obedient to everything that he's asking you to do and just operate in those things, even if it's fearfully, That is the key that will begin to crack open the door so that the Holy Spirit has direct access to people's life. Let me prove my point. Well, that's why you have to submit your gift to the Lord because the enemy knows that it works both ways, right? So let's prove my point. We sing a worship song on Sunday morning that's about the reckless love of God and you're like, no shadow he won't light up, no mountain he won't climb up, he's coming after me. And, And if you're lost, you're like, holy cow, somebody loves me enough that they'll go to that length, not knowing who I am, not knowing where I've been, but they love me enough that they died on a cross for me. And that changes you. The submission of Pastor Haley's gift behind a keyboard is not to come in and do the work of the Holy Spirit. It's to help evoke an emotion so that you listen closer, so that you feel deeper and the Holy Spirit can come in right where she's helped crack that door open and say, now give your heart to me because this is the full package. But on the opposite side of that, you fill yourself with music that's, you know, bopping about being single and living it up and sleeping around. And all of a sudden you're not satisfied in your marriage anymore. And so because there must be something better if if that person is singing about, if T Swift is singing about how I'm only myself when I'm with you, then some, there must be something to, uh, you know, living it up and, 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 and living that kind of lifestyle because she's wildly successful, right? The gifts work both ways, and the enemy knows that. That's why it's important that you submit those things to his authority because he'll bring things into your life that will bless you and not curse you. A lot of times people give a lot of credit to things that are worldly and be like, well, you know, the Lord gave him that gift. Yeah, don't you think the enemy knew that? He made sure to know that it worked both ways. He made sure to know that if you, you use this so that somebody will listen closer and look deeper and feel, feel something, it'll crack the door open, but it ain't for the Holy Spirit to come in and do the work. It's so the enemy can take hold. 
We have to know that we have to submit those things under the authority of the Holy Spirit so that he has the right of passage and no one else. Scholar is a heck of a salesman. I don't know where he is. But literally for the entirety of the time that I've known Scholar, I've said you should sell. He could sell dirt to somebody, you know what I'm saying? And not like like moving, like just you need this dirt and let me tell you why. And he would convince somebody to buy that hand. Would he not, Bailey? I mean, he convinced Bailey, right? He got her, he locked her up. <laughs> He's like, listen, I'm gonna send you flowers. You ain't gonna know who and he, he worked hard. He got her. He could, but, and, and don't you think that he's really, really good? And Joe knows, Joe's, Joe hired him. He's like, listen, if he's that good of a salesman, he's going to come sell fences for me. And I'm going to make sure to, to be booked all the way through the year. He's a heck of a salesman. But if he only ever used that gift for the world, he'd be missing out on a massive opportunity. Because with the same breath, do you know how, how many people are in this place this morning? Because Skylar has been the one that's spoken to their life. When you submit that anointing, when you submit that gifting of that thing, that desire, that, that niche that you have that you're naturally really good at, God will use that thing to attract people to the kingdom. He will use that thing to show people that I can come in and I can mend what's broken. When you submit what you're already good at to the Lord, he will use it. It doesn't matter how significant you think it is or is not. He will use whatever you have in your hand that you're willing to submit to him to bring people to the kingdom every single time. And the final thing is to deploy. I'm way off my notes. I got to get over here. An interesting thing to note about the command that we originally discussed is what the gospel of Luke adds. And if you don't know, the, uh, it's interesting to me, and I know that the Lord did it intentionally, that the four gospels were written by four diff- people from very different walks of life. And Luke was a doctor. And when you read, and when you know that, and then you read through the gospel of Luke, it makes sense because he covers things a lot more, with a lot more detail. And he, he really gets to those finite portions of what everything says. And so, so I'm gonna read this. And he was possibly a Gentile also. And so just all the perspective. That's why I encourage you, if you don't, when you're reading the word, like a lot of people will go in and they'll just like pop their Bible open and they're like, we have heard with our ears, oh God, our Father. If you don't know like the, the context of what you're reading it, I encourage you to do that when you're reading your word. It's just like opening a book anywhere else. But I'm sure you could find some truth that way, but it means a whole lot more if you know the background and the context of, of who's writing it. I actually did a teaching in youth how to read the Bible and what you need to do, where you should start. And then when you're actually going to like dig in and read the word, you need a Bible that's good, that has good like uh, commentary on the bottom and has a good like foreword that tells you everything. So when you learn that and you learn about the author that's writing it, Luke was possibly a Gentile, but he was definitely a doctor. And he wasn't one of the original disciples that was appointed. But in Luke 10, he was, he could have been one of the 72 that were appointed because he said, I need people to go and, and gather the harvest. So, so he's the one that's writing this. And like many of us, Luke knew that in order to do what God gifted and called us to do, God would have to help us, right? If we're going to go and preach, well, I need some help, right? So as a doctor, he made sure to include this detail because he wanted you to know the how. In Luke 24, 46 through 49, he told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day and repentance for the forgiveness of sin 
will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I'm going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. We are told to go and to preach. But even then, Jesus promised to endue us with power to ensure our success. It's really, really hard. And even the disciples didn't go and preach until they received the power of the Holy Spirit that was promised to them. That's the missing piece many times, is that many times we're trying to go at it and we're trying to reach people and we're trying, but if you don't go with the power of the Holy Spirit, I can almost ensure that you're going to meet failure at some point. Because when the, when the power of the Holy Spirit is crowning and anointing, you might be able to do some things for Jesus, but there was a reason he told them to stay put until the power of the Holy Spirit came in and gave them the additional ability to do what they were going to be called to do. When you get ready to pursue that dream, to step into that thing that God has called you to do, make sure that you are endued with the power of the Holy Spirit. Because what you're capable of in that power of the Holy Spirit is far more than what you're capable of on your own. Ed's a really good plumber, but because he operates under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, it takes just a regular day job into something that he's going into homes and being the hands and feet of Jesus to people one-on-one because he's going by the power of the Holy Spirit, not just by the power of Ed. The quickest way to fail at anything you do, but especially in your going and in your preaching, is to try to tackle it without the power of the Holy Spirit. Had those disciples not lingered and received the power of the Holy Spirit, the gospel likely would not have lasted past their generation. When he empowers you to pursue the calling and the gifting, it will not fail because he cannot fail. Unlock the dream that you have stowed away. Allow the Holy Spirit to develop it and to expand it. And finally, step out in faith that when you go with the power of the Holy Spirit, God will accomplish everything that he intended through your life. If you guys wanna go ahead and stand for me. Holy Spirit, I thank you for this word. I thank you, Father, that you are here in this place and that you are ready to reach hearts and to touch lives. And and I pray right now, Holy Spirit, that you would just begin to, to soften every heart in this place, that you would draw and do what only you can do. If there's anyone in this place this morning that you don't know Christ, let me tell you, living your life for him is the best decision that you will ever, ever make. You can do a lot of things You can go a lot of ways and a lot of people can make you feel something, but the only person that can truly fulfill you and give you identity and give you value and worth and joy and hope and love comes from Jesus Christ. There was a reason that God had to send him to be the fulfillment of the law. And in doing so, he divided, he he split that, that veil that divided us from the glory of God by sending his son Jesus to die on a cross from you. And now, because he did that, because he made that sacrifice for you and for me, we have direct access to God and all we have to do is call on his name to be saved. There is, there's no other prerequisite to you and coming, coming to the saving knowledge of Christ other than you uttering the name of Jesus 
and asking him to come into your heart and forgive you of your sins. And so if that's you in this place and maybe you're experiencing brokenness, maybe you are experiencing an identity crisis because you know there's something more that he's called you to, but you just haven't figured it out because you haven't submitted yourself to the Lord. If that's you in this place and you need to know Jesus, I'm just gonna ask you to slip up your hand. And then the second part of this is just gonna be an open altar. (laughs) Because I, I feel like you need the opportunity to just say yes. To just say yes to the thing that God has called you to. And maybe you've never heard it put in this way, but for some reason, the Holy Spirit prompted my heart and didn't give something to pastor because I was supposed to give you this word this morning. There are so many dreams that are tied up in so many people that are sitting in these seats every single day that the Holy Spirit is beckoning you to unleash that, unlock that dream that you have locked away, that you've been too fearful to pursue, that you've not known the logistics of how you were gonna do it. And maybe you still don't, but maybe right now, and you know who you are, the Holy Spirit is stirring something in you, saying it's time, it's time, It's time to take a step of faith in the direction of the thing that I'm calling you to. So just as a sign of of submission and saying, you know what, today's the day, Lord, that I'm gonna begin to be obedient to that thing, that I'm going to step and I'm gonna walk. I don't know how, I don't know where, I don't know what, I don't know why, I don't know all, but here's my yes. Here's my yes, whatever you ask of me, I know the desires that you placed in my heart and I don't know how you're gonna do it, Lord, but today you have my yes. If that's you, could we just come and spend some time in his presence? Lord, you have our yes today, whatever you ask, whatever you ask of me, whatever you need from me, Lord, today my answer is yes. Thanks for listening to the Cedarville First podcast. If this sermon has blessed you, feel free to share it with a friend. For more information about Cedarville First, check us out on Facebook and the web at cedarvillefirst.com. See you next week.